Well, it's uh, a blessing for me to be able to carry on uh, preaching and, and sharing with you all on Sunday mornings. And you know, uh, have gotten to know me and know that we're working our way uh, through the early part of the book of John because we want to focus in on Jesus as our example. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So we've been looking at his relationship with the disciples. We've seen various dynamics, how he demonstrated his glory to them, how he talked to them about uh, how they could be cleansed how he spoke to them of transformation, being born again. And we're, we're beginning to see a, a taste of the kind of ministry that he wants them to have. Uh, and we're using the metaphor of work loves uh, to help us understand how we accomplish things for God's glory. Because he, he gives us certain attributes, gifts, and, and uh, possibilities, but we need to have him. We need to have the hand in the glove. We need to have him working in us in order for us to accomplish things. So we want to know that he wants us. Each one of us has a special ministry, but it's always going to be built on trust in him. So we think about that, and we know that he wants to lead and guide and bless. We uh, looked last week at the story of the Samaritan woman, and we saw how Jesus there was not just talking about salvation, but he was modeling how salvation could work. Because here was this woman with all of her needs. He meets her at the well, and she believed as he spoke to her. She was transformed as he spoke to her. But not only that, she became a minister because she went into town and she started telling all the, the uh, townspeople, come and see. So Ravi Zacharias summarizes that this way. The Samaritan woman grasped what he said with fervor that came from an awareness of her real need. She came laden with questions, but he sent her back as a source for answers. Amazing what he could do in her because of his power. And then at the end of that story, there's a change of pace that we want to look at today because Jesus makes this statement. Look to the fields. I tried hard. Did I get it right, guys? I think those are beans, right? Okay. And, and then I heard this week that people were harvesting beans, right? or starting to maybe south of here. And so I thought that, you know, I, I had a wheat slide from before, but nah, this is better. Okay. So Jesus wanted them to look around. He wanted them to see what he was doing. And it wasn't going to be to look at the fields, uh, the agricultural fields around them. He was going to show them different fields. And so we want to talk about that, and we want to see how Jesus wants us to be involved in sharing his good news. So as I was thinking about that, I thought of a story that I wanted to share a little bit with you. The story is about two young guys that grew up down in South Carolina, Josh and Wesley. And it's an interesting story because we don't know a lot of the details, but we do know that as kids, they were best buddies. So you can pick, think back to your childhood. You can think back to your best friend. You know, guys, it might have been the one that you would go fishing with, or girls, it might have been the one that you would go have a princess party with, or whatever. I, my awareness of that side isn't quite as clear. But anyway, 
that kind of person that you always wanted to do something with, when you got home from school, you wanted to go to their place, or you wanted to take the bus home to be with them at school. That kind of buddy, Josh and Wesley. The difference between them was that Josh was a Christian. And so as a Christian, he, he loved Jesus, and Jesus was blessing him, and he wanted to share that with his friend Wesley. And so he would do that. Uh, and he would, he would tell Wesley about Jesus, and he would tell Wesley about church. And, and Wesley was a good guy. Uh, he went to church, sort of, but he wasn't really engaged with it. He was one of those people that thought, yeah, Christians have a point, but, you know, I've got my own life. And that's the way it was uh, in, in elementary school. They, they were still best of friends. Uh, and they got into high school, and, and at that point, Wesley started to have a, a, a broader range of experiences. He started... Uh, going after young ladies and, uh, you know, getting involved in all the high school activities. And that became really important for him. And it, it was harder at that point for Josh because Josh wasn't as involved in that scene. He was trying to follow Christ as he went through high school. And, and he could still talk to Wesley, but there were a lot of times when Wesley was just turning him off. When Wesley was just in, I don't want to hear about that mode. And so it was tough. They were buddies, and Josh would still share because that's what a buddy does. He shares his best things with his friend. He wanted to tell Wesley about Jesus, but it was hard. But he hung in. And uh, it was in grade 12 that Wesley finally found that, that all the things he'd been chasing weren't going to bring him real fulfillment. And in grade 12, Wesley turned and uh, decided to follow Jesus. And that made a big change in his life. I'll, I'll finish up the story a little bit later. But I, I wanted us to begin to think, you know, Jesus is talking about looking at the fields. Jesus is talking about us individually, whether we're in the sales barn or whether we're at school or whether we're, you know, baking pies at home. What, whatever it is we're doing, Jesus wants us to understand that we're ministers for his glory. And... And uh, so let's dig into the passage some more. As, but first, let's pray. Lord, we're here, and it's a beautiful day, and we're happy to be together. And we also know that you have special things to teach us. And Lord, you think so highly of each one of us that, that you want to use each one in special ways. And there are times, Lord, when we need to lift our eyes off of our own ideas and, and see your ideas and see your possibilities. So I just pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would stir us like that today, that we might see the fields of opportunity that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's turn to our reading. It's John chapter 4, verses 21 to 42. Let's hear the word of God. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. But salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or, or why do you, are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. May the Lord bless his reading to us. So our text today is special because here Jesus unveils the harvest. He is wanting us to see that there's a dynamic at play that the disciples haven't quite yet picked up on. There's something that needs to be uncovered, that needs to be unveiled, and he wants to open their eyes so that they can see it. And as we look at that, we're going to be talking about this whole section, looking to the fields. And there's two dynamics we want to focus on. The one is priorities because Jesus is going to be helping them to, to see that, that he has a different set of priorities than what they might be used to. Uh, that's going to be following out of the phrase, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And then there's going to be the idea of the harvest. And that is uh, going to culminate when Jesus says to his disciples, I sent you to reap. I want you to be involved. I want you to get engaged. So priorities and the harvest, and we'll start with priorities. Jesus is going to help these guys to begin to understand that from time to time, they just need to roll with what he is doing, and it's not always going to be foreseeable. You know the bigger story here. The disciples are on a journey from down near Jerusalem up through Samaria, and they were headed on up to Galilee. It would take about three days walking along the road. And they came to this Samaritan village. And as far as the guys were concerned, you don't want to hang around in Samaria because they're different. And you want to get out of there and get home to Galilee. So they were just stopping for lunch. And as they got to the town, the guys went into town to go find some hummus and pita bread and whatever they were going to have for lunch. And Jesus had stayed by the well. 
So that's everything they understand about the journey so far. It's, it, that was the plan. They'd been talking about it on the road. Jesus had seemed okay with that. And now they come, and Jesus is now working with a different plan. And he wants them to see that even though that was the plan, and that was a good plan, and yes, lunch is important, you know, we need to feed our bodies, but even though that was the plan, God is doing something here when we need to be ready to respond when God is working. We very often get caught up in the dynamics of our lives, don't we? You know, uh, when I'm at my desk sometimes and it's noontime, it's harder to concentrate after 11.45 because the stomach starts to growl and I'm thinking about the leftovers I have for lunch. And, you know, I I get into that mode. That's a natural dynamic. Uh, And most of the days, it's the right thing to just sit down and have lunch. But if something comes up, I'm not going to say, sorry, I can't be there till after lunch uh, if it's important. I'll be ready to go and and shift gears. Uh, And that's what Jesus is wanting the disciples to do. Now, it's awkward for them. Uh, They come along and say, Rabbi, eat something. I mean, you you can understand their frustration. Like, they went into town, and, and they've gotten the food, and they're hungry, and they've been carrying the food, and that's made them hungrier. And they get there, and now Jesus is changing the subject on them, and it's like, uh, Rabbi, we got this food. Come on, eat something. You can get that. And it, it's not that they're not wanting to trust him. It's not that they are, are trying to force their own agenda. It's just they're in a groove. That's what they were expecting. So we look at that and we say, okay, what is Jesus really wanting to teach them? They've come along. They see Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. That doesn't mean a whole lot to them. Uh, You you, uh, catch their prejudice right away. You know, why is he talking to a woman? And she's a Samaritan. We don't hang out with Samaritans. What's going on here? They didn't actually say that, but it was on the tip of their tongue. So they're kind of glad when the lady goes back into town and they figure now that she's gone, Jesus can eat. But Jesus knows that this is the beginning of something big, and so he's going to get their attention. And he he pulls them up short a little bit, but it's going to be worth it. He says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Well, you know, that's it's a bit startling, isn't it? You don't expect him to say that. Uh, you might have thought that he would come along and understand that they're working with a different agenda and sort of gradually say, well, you know, guys, uh, that's great, and I really appreciate you getting the food, but there's something else that God is doing here, so let's roll with this instead of that. For whatever reason, though, Jesus chooses to be blunt. And he chooses to sort of pull them up short a bit. And, and he wants to get their attention. And he, he wants it to be memorable. And certainly this is a memorable story. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And that kind of stops them in their tracks. They're wondering, did somebody else bring him lunch? You know, did somebody find some roasted lamb instead of the pita bread? What's going on? And all of that is understandable. But what we want to do is say, okay, wow, Jesus has a a big lesson here. 
And sometimes when we're going through the day-to-day the, the -day of, of our everyday lives, we get stuck in, the, in that pattern and we miss the big picture. Jesus doesn't want that to happen here. Jesus wants us to begin to realize, he wanted the disciples then to begin to realize, and he wants us to begin to realize that in the midst of the pattern, in the midst of our dailiness, he can give us spiritual food. And that spiritual food is beautiful, and it encourages us, and it blesses us, and uh, we should be ready for that and, and trust that even though it seems weird at the time, even though it may not follow our usual pattern, that if we follow him in that, that he will be blessing us. So we should open up to his new ideas. And he goes on to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so Jesus is saying, look, I've got another source of energy here. Uh, you guys are tired and, you're, and your stomachs are grumbling. I get that. But I want you to see that there's something better than lunch going on. And what's happening is that Jesus was pretty excited. We, we don't read that in the text, but we can understand that it would be true. He's come into town, and here's this random woman that, that he's met with. She's responded to the gospel. She already gets it that she can go into town and say to everybody, come and see. She's inviting them and calling them out. And he's just looking in that, and that is so amazing. God is working, and all of that is energizing Jesus. All of that is, is helping him to say, okay, I don't need the sandwiches right now, guys. He'll probably have the sandwiches later. I'm sure they're, they're very nice. But right now, all of what God is doing, this amazing moment, this woman that's converted, this town that's about to come out, all of that is what's fueling him. And that is something we can look at and say, wow. He can do that in me, too. That's why he's taking time to tell the disciples about this. That's why we take the time to read the passage and to really dig into it. God can do that to me, too. He can do things that get us so excited that we put up with not having lunch at the regular time. We put up with other things that happen in our schedule and the pressures that come along with it and the hard work that comes along with it. We put up with all of that because Jesus is doing something better and his priorities are better than ours, and we should be ready to accept that. So that's the idea of priorities. And out of that, he helps them to see how come his priorities are special, because he starts to talk about the harvest. He starts to talk about this idea of harvesting. I'm not sure what time of year it was then, but Jesus wanted the, the disciples to begin to think about harvesting. It's easy for us today because there's probably some of you that were kind of wishing you were on a tractor, bringing, or sorry, a combine, bringing in some beans right now. We, we understand about harvest right now. He, they, they maybe didn't quite understand it. And so he goes to a saying that would have been popular at that time. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? We don't know a lot about that saying. Nobody, nobody in the literature comments about it. But you get the idea. They had this saying that if you're a farmer and you go out and you plant some seed, you better get ready to be patient because it's going to take four months before you get to harvest it. You have to wait for it to grow up. You have to wait for the head to form. And then you can harvest. And back then, I guess it took about four months. So it was a common saying to encourage patience. 
And so Jesus is drawing on that. Do you guys not remember that when you look around at harvesting things, that, that people think of it as a patient process, that people think of it as something that takes time? And then he moves on from that. And he tells them, I'm doing something different. And he says it this way. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. He's working with the idea of harvest because they get that. They've seen people out in the fields at harvest time bringing in the grain. They've heard the joy and the celebrations at harvest time. They know how special harvest is. They know that very often it takes time. And he wants them to see that's all true and that's all special, but I can do something even more than that. I can break through the regular patterns of that. Open your eyes, look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. I'm doing something right now. I'm breaking through the usual pattern. With me, you just have to trust. And in the right time, I will bring things along. It may be four months. It may not be four months. But I, right now, right now, they're ripe for harvest. And... You know, I, I hear a story about that, and I sense the urgency of it, and I think here we can resonate about that. Heard stories this week of guys who are out with their lights on late because they wanted to try and get some beans in uh, before the rain came. You know, that's, that, that's the kind of urgency that Jesus has it when he's, when he's uh, saying this. And it's helpful to, to understand the physical context when he's saying that. I didn't do, find this in a commentary. I found it in the, the Jesus video. And it, it really helps to understand the context because Jesus was there at the well. Jesus was talking to the woman. The disciples come along. The disciples want to have lunch. And the woman goes into town to get the people. And Jesus is talking to the disciples while she's gathering the people. So when he says this, when he says, open your eyes and look at the fields, they're ripe for harvest. He's actually pointing at the people coming out of the town. He's actually saying, look, there's the harvest, guys. God is doing a miracle here. Get ready to get involved in it. Get ready to be helping with it. And uh, this isn't the highest quality. Sorry about that. But it, you can sort of see the people coming out of town. And you, it's that moment in the Jesus video. And he's looking back at the disciples. And he's saying, look, guys, here is the harvest. Get excited about that. That's what this is all about. And I think at that point, they're beginning to catch on. And they're understanding the bigger picture. See, the disciples had been on a precise trajectory. They were coming through Samaria. They were, the goal was to move through that as quickly as possible to get back to Galilee. They were just stopping for lunch. You know, they weren't going to stay overnight. But uh, Jesus is seeing that God is working, and so they're changing plans, and they're going to end up staying two days. And he's saying, look, there's a harvest here. Get ready to be involved in that. And then he says this, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. They're just travelers along the road. They just stopped there to get lunch. And yet now they're going to get to be a part of ministering in one of the best known uh, Bible stories. Now they're going to be 
able to see the harvest and see God at work. We're moving into that phase where they're getting to have a taste of ministry. They, when they were down south of Jerusalem baptizing, it wasn't Jesus doing the baptizing. It was them doing the baptism. That was a whole new thing, and it was very special for them to be able to begin to serve. And now they're going to be able to serve these Samaritans. And what's crazy about it is that uh, they wouldn't have wanted to do anything with this village in the first place because the Samaritans were sort of outcasts. You didn't hang around there if you were a Jew. You just moved through as quickly as you could. And part of what Jesus is doing here is that, that he's helping them to see that, that he is going to reach the whole world. He's breaking out of the pattern of them just thinking about themselves and their village. It would have been a great thing and it would be a great thing later on when Peter had host, host Jesus at his home and, and the whole village comes and there's a whole bunch of healings there. That sort of thing is going to be great as a part of Jesus' ministry. But he's going to move exponentially beyond that. He's going to reach the whole world. And he's, he's saying to them, you didn't think anything could happen here. Uh, you were just thinking about lunch. And something is going to happen here, but it's also a picture of the amazing things I'm going to do in the future because I'm going to send you to the ends of the earth. And some of these guys would go to the ends of the earth. Some, we think that, that uh, Philip ended up going to India. We know that Peter traveled around. Uh, different ones went in a whole lot of different directions, and the gospel really spread through them. And Jesus is saying, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. I tried to think of an agricultural example of this. I sort of thought it's kind of like being a custom guy, but a custom guy gets paid. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily get a share. I don't know all the details on that. Somebody can clear me up later. But the idea is that Jesus is bringing along something that they didn't have to sow, that they didn't have to take care of, that they didn't have to nurture. I'm just giving you an opportunity. I'm just giving you an opportunity. Uh, and so get ready. And then the icing on the cake is that it actually happens. Because of Jesus' words, many more became believers. And that wouldn't have been a process of one-on-ones with Jesus. That would have been a process of uh, people hearing Jesus and the disciples being in the crowd and the disciples having one-on-ones with people. They were getting their first tastes of ministry. They were able to go into that harvest field and reap where they had never prepared before. So he wants us to understand the uh, joy of the harvest. And he wants us to understand the, the surprising part of his ministry. So earlier I was telling you about Josh and Wesley. And Josh and Wesley two young guys in South Carolina went to the local high school. But God had other things in mind. I mentioned earlier, Wesley became a Christian in grade 12, and he ended up having a, a godly girlfriend who encouraged him. He ended up getting married, and uh, he ended up uh, having daily devotions and, and just being a really good uh, Christ follower. If he had to travel, he'd always phone home and he'd pray with his wife uh, every time he was away like that. Uh, what I didn't mention is that Wesley became a professional golfer. And uh, so when he was 
still quite young, he was out learning how to be a professional golfer, pr practicing, doing all that sort of thing, and he was beginning to play in tournaments. And in 2017, he had a really good year. 2017, he ended up uh, breaking into the top 50 golfers in the world, according to the rankings. And so God was just blessing him. And you can just imagine uh, Josh back at home thinking, wow, isn't it great that I was able to help somebody that went on to be a professional golfer? Isn't it great that I was able to help somebody that, that was able to have that kind of influence? But then Easter 2017 happened, and there was a tournament, and, jo and uh, Wesley was playing. I imagine Josh was watching on TV. And it turned out that Wesley won the tournament, a PGA championship tournament. And it was Easter Sunday. And the uh, TV guys, you know, always like to get the champion to come in to the little, uh, maybe you don't watch golf, but there's a little hut they have. And they're kind of all in there saying, isn't this guy great? He just won the tournament. And so they, they, they brought Wesley in. And, you know, they're talking about his accomplishments, and he's saying, isn't it, I, it was great to get it done. It was great to be here. It was great to win the tournament. And here's what he said. He said, and then they asked him particularly, isn't it great to win it on Easter Sunday? Okay, and this is what he said then. I want this day to be as little about me as possible and more about our Savior who came out of the tomb. So here he was on an international stage, millions of viewers watching and, and re-watching on, on YouTube. And, and here was this guy who had been a rebel in high school that Josh had faithfully ministered to, and he was making that kind of statement for Jesus. And I can just imagine J Josh at home watching that and being blown away and thanking God because he had been able to sow and had to help and to reap a little bit in high school and look what God did with his efforts. You know, and that's what this story we're looking at today is all about. It's about understanding that Jesus has things in store that go way beyond what we can imagine. And uh, we look at that and think about that and we know that we have opportunities ahead of us that should give us hope and, and knowing that Jesus is going to lead into it and that as we were praying earlier there's all these things that are heavy on us but God is going to help us with those things one way and another I was blessed this week if you have any opportunity today it's good it's a lunch day because you'll get to hang out with people make sure you talk to Anna and make sure you talk to Laura because on Thursday night, Anna had a, a youth alpha at her place, and there were six kids that came, and, and it was just beautiful to see that these are kids. Alpha is a, is a, is a way of learning about Jesus, and they had that discussion, and, and six kids came up and were there and wanted to be there. And then on, on Friday night, Laura had a girls' night, and uh, that was for the younger set, for... What's the ages, Corey? I don't know. Up, up to around 13 in that age bracket. Yeah. There's a dad that... And there was a bunch there, and they had fun. And you see, ministry's happening at Chalmers. 
Good things are happening. You know, I, I could go on and on with other things that are going on. You know, the, the freezer ministry was just started, and last week, right away, we had, had a meal taken out, and it's a blessing to hear that story. So God is working at Chalmers. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're white unto harvest. We get to be a part of that. There's special things. The Lord Jesus Christ that wanted his guys to stop thinking about lunch and see the opportunities right in front of them. That Lord Jesus Christ comes to us today and says, look at the fields. You can get involved. Maybe you're not quite sure how you can get involved. If you're a guy and you have a wood shop, we're praying for somebody that's going to host a, a young boy's project night to build birdhouses or maybe advent wreaths or I don't know what, but something like that so that we have something. The, the, the boys are going to start to say, how come the girls get a girls' night and we don't get a boys' night? So, you know, we, we want to build on that. And, you, you know, you don't have to be an evangelist. You just need a wood shop. And there are all these kinds of things that are going to develop. And it's the, the church is in transition now, and that's an awkward phase. But God is good. God is blessing. God is leading. Trust in that. Look at the fields and see all of the beautiful things he has in store. So it's harvest time. Let's each one be praying, Jesus, how can I take part? It's harvest time. Let's get our work gloves on. I switched from the cement block, if you notice, to a tractor. And because it's harvest time. And, you know, let's get the combines going. I can't say, you know, one of the combines is a youth alpha. One of the combines is a girls night. Another combine could be the, the boys night, project night. You know, there's all kinds of other options. God wants to work for his glory. Let's pray. Jesus, it is such an amazing privilege to be here today and to have the joy of having good friends and being together and knowing that you're working amongst us by your spirit and knowing that you have things in store and seeing what you're already doing. Oh, God, thank you for all of that. And thank you that there's so much more. So, Lord, help us, each one, just to have a sense of your power at work in us. You can transform us. You can give us a fresh vision. You can lead us to the future so that our lives are deep and rich and fulfilling and we're contributing to uh, your, your gospel work. Lord, help us and bless us. Show us your joy and show us your fruitfulness and we'll give you every word of praise we can imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.